We are employee owned. We work for a CEO who believes that the wage gap in our country is, is very wide between haves and have nots. He recognized that he can do something about it. He can um, make employee owners out of his uh, employees. So back in 2016, we became officially an employee-owned company. And so this is an ongoing thing. It wasn't a one-time transaction back in 2016. Every single year, we get to share in our successes. Welcome to Security Cleared Jobs, Who's Hiring and How, the podcast for cleared professionals looking for new opportunities and career advice. We go behind the scenes with recruiters and hiring managers from leading cleared employers to uncover the information you need to make a smart career move. Get ready for insights from this week's guest and your hosts, Kathleen Smith and Rachel Bozeman. Hello, everyone. This is Kathleen, and we're thankful that you're joining with us today. How are you, Rachel? I am doing fan stinkantastic today. How about <laughs> I'm just super excited to get to talk to our friend Mark, who happens to be the VP of Client Experience at St. Michael's. So, Mark, we are super excited you are here with us today. Thank you. Super excited to be here. I want to do a shout out to our production team, Ashley. We've done all of these podcasts and we've not done a shout out to our great producer, Ashley Jones. So I just want to say a shout out and then a shout out to my studio audience that includes my two English cream retrievers. Do you have a studio audience today, Mark? Uh, yes, I have a 12 week old upstairs who's hopefully going to be um, largely pacified during this by grandma and a nine-year-old puppy, still a puppy to me, in another bedroom with the door closed. <laughs> and how about you, Rachel? Well, I uh, they're here, and I've uh, begged and pleaded and all but offered every milk bone from here to Timbuktu for all three of them to be quiet. Okay. So Mark, I understand that you're employee number six at St. Michael's and I've been working with St. Michael's for so long. And I remember those first few days with St. Michael's and now you have over 150 employees. St. Michael's took a chance on you and it's been a big success for both of you. Tell us a story about how you became the VP of client experience. Oh, sure. So yeah, you're, you're spot on employee number six. Um, Used to be able to count all my coworkers on one single hand, believe it or not. And two of them was the CEO and his wife. So the, there's one and two, and then everyone else that he had hired uh, just before me. So that was back in January of uh, 2009. I was six months removed from graduating from the Ohio State University with my accounting degree, working at a sports uh, store in a mall. And then I got a phone call one day from the CEO of St. Michael's and I took the call in the back break room and he was talking to me about what sounded like a legitimate job, an actual physical position uh, at DFAS Columbus, the Defense Finance and Accounting Service in Columbus. And so he flew out, interviewed me and offered me the position and uh, hard to believe it's been over 13 years since that happened. Not every story always uh, has a linear line, right, from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. So... We ended up losing that contract, believe it or not, and I was uh, one year in this industry, and I had no idea what a recompete even was. Um, I was asking my coworkers, uh, what does it mean when I leave on Friday and I don't have the same position I had when I went home, right? So put yourself in the shoes of a 22, 23-year-old. Um, that just doesn't make any sense. And so we ended up losing the contract. Um, however, 
my CEO called me back after about three months or so and offered me a position in the Washington, D.C. area and said, we have a lot more for you here um, if you'd be interested in moving. And I think I was on a flight before we even hung up the phone. I was I was ready. I was ready for the next uh, phase in my life, the next step. And that happened to be the Washington, D.C. area. And so fast forward 13 years, taking on different roles, different management leadership type roles along the way, all the way up to the point of now vice president of client experience and just could not have imagined um, doing it for anyone else, a, a different company. I never felt the need to job hop. Always felt the loyalty to, to St. Michael's and how they treated me uh, all these years now. It sounds like from your pre-call that you almost decided to follow your heart to New Mexico rather than continue with St. Michael's. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. Um, not almost. I did follow my heart. So I I met a young lady in the D.C. area in May of 2019. It was on our very first date that she shared with me that she was active duty Air Force. I, I got everything that comes with that to include PCSing. <laughs> and she was going to be moving in September. So May to September was all the time that we had to get to know one another. And I said, well, we're going to make the most of it. So we did. Fast forward a few months uh, after she moved, I decided that I too was going to pursue her uh, by moving to New Mexico. And of course, I thought that meant I was putting in a two-week notice, which I never intended or wanted to do. I never wanted to leave St. Michael's, but it was just something that I felt uh, I had to. And um, so I had a, a lunch with the CEO. We sat down, we chatted. I really shouldn't be surprised by this. He was nothing but happy for me. Uh, he wished me well, and we left things with, you never know how things are going to work out. So back then, this was pre-COVID, my army client, I was supporting uh, an army contract. They decided they wanted to keep me, and they were going to send me out with a laptop, a GFE laptop. And I was going to continue to work for them in New Mexico. And that was that was the thing that it took to say, well, now I'm not overhead anymore. I'm still a billable position. It's just like I'm living down the street, except you won't see me very much. I ended up keeping my job at St. Michael's, believe it or not. Not only did I keep my job, but I got promoted twice while I was out there. And so I came back to the D.C. area as a vice president, having left a, a manager. And I came back also with, with somebody married. <laughs> I'm happy to say that everything worked out. We got married. Things things are going great. So what a great story. Um, but I know historically you've really been involved with the DOD financial management. But it sounds like y'all are kind of breaking outside the box just a little bit there. So could you tell us just a little bit more about the cleared positions that you're currently hiring for and where are they located? Yep, absolutely. So um that finance and accounting is definitely our bread and butter. It's it's how we first started. It's how I got started, right? I mentioned I had an accounting degree. And it was a large part of our portfolio for many, many years. Since then, we've kind of expanded our our portfolio work to include anything having to do with the back office. So we hire uh, executive assistants nowadays that are supporting, you know, three stars, continuing to making sure that operations are running smoothly. We have uh, expanded into acquisition. So that's uh, the next kind of back office journey for us is is getting into acquisition, hiring contract specialists to support inherently governmental contract work that can be contracted out. So we'll hire contract specialists. In fact, we're looking for more of them right now, both in the Virginia Beach area as well as Fort Belvoir uh, in Washington, D.C. All cleared, at least at the secret level. So um, much of what we do is at the TS and, and above, but there are some secret positions. 
And then just honestly, it was a, one large IDIQ down in the Tampa, Florida area that kind of set us off on expanding our, our work to all these different avenues. It's supporting SOCOM. And geographically speaking, now we have positions all over the country. We have uh, one in Las Vegas. We have one at West Virginia National Guard uh, at Joint Base, West Virginia, Arnold Air Force Base, Herbert Field. We even have people supporting SOCUR nowadays, but not living in Europe, rather um, supporting remotely from, from CONUS here. And then our three largest locations being Washington, D.C., Tampa, Florida, and Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So those are kind of our three hubs where we have the most number of people, but then we have these kind of one-offs or two-offs at those other locations as well. I know I've had my heart broken more than once. Um, where that candidate, you just are getting them to that position. You're, you've offered it to them. They've accepted. And then they're like, I'm out. They just, they drop you right there. So do you have any advice or ways that you screen in particular on the front end as the hiring manager to try to avoid these situations? Absolutely. So one of our core values at St. Michael's is candor. And it happens to be one of my favorite core values. It's it's one that's most often misinterpreted. I think many people think candor is defined as I can say whatever I want to whomever I want and you can't do anything about it because it's one of our core values and I can point at it and tell you that I'm doing right. But candor to me is just being open and honest with our communication. If it's to a client or a potential new hire, telling them exactly what the position is that they're signing up for, making sure that they have the qualifications for it, uh, making sure we're talking about all of our benefits to include employee ownership and some of the other things that might be either not easily understood from our website or misinterpreted, something that they've heard through the grapevine. And so if if you can flush all that information out, and, and sometimes it's difficult because you're only allotted a, let's say, a 30-minute phone screen or a 60-minute interview, um, you really have to kind of get under the hood with folks by asking them really powerful interview-type questions. We as hiring managers, we do our best to try to make those assessments early on. The reality is you're never going to get it 100% right. Um, the sooner you can recognize it and move past a, a candidate that's sort of wasting your time, the better off you are and uh, move on to the next. And, and that's kind of the best thing about having a pipeline of qualified people. So that way you're not going all in on a single individual who leaves you at the altar right, right when it's time to sign the offer. You know, thinking about a lot of our listeners are job seekers. So what advice do you have for them kind of on the flip side of that? How do you help them go through this process where they don't become the heartbreaker at the end of the process? Do you have any recommendations or suggestions for some of our beautiful, very beautiful listeners out there? <laughs> very beautiful indeed. Uh, communication, communication, communication. So we we want to stay in touch with you as badly as you want to stay in touch with us. One of the challenges of our industry, um, I would be remiss if I didn't point it out, was the fact that many of our uh, positions are cleared positions, and that has people working in SCIFs, right? Sensitive compartmented information facilities, if you're unfamiliar. And when you work in a SCIF, uh, like I have many times, you are uh, required to leave things like your cell phone um, in a locker, in your car, anywhere other than inside that building. And so... Uh, a phone number on a resume often represents a cell phone. And for us, trying to communicate with you is really quite challenging when, let's say, on first ring, it goes to voicemail. So, you know, just being in, in touch with us after hours, I, I know that's a difficult thing. We all have families. We have responsibilities. 
we have dogs that need fed and, and babies to care for and, and just look at the three of us. Um, but the reality is we're doing that as well, right? So we're, we're putting in the, the time after hours to communicate with you. And so meet us halfway by, by, yeah, I know you're tired and it's six, seven o'clock at night, but I'm going to make the time to have the interview with you. I'd like for, you know, that to be reciprocated as well. There was one thing that um, several of the transition classes that I've given uh, over the years, I've sort of said to people, you know, because you're working in a SCIF and a recruiter is trying to reach out to you, maybe leave an outgoing message that says, you know, thanks for calling. I'm unavailable to answer my phone nine to four, Monday through Friday. Please let me know how late I may call you back tonight or the best times to reach you. So you're not doing this back and forth. Exactly right. And if and if you can't talk on the cell phone, then an email, I mean, just monitor your email, right? And so mm -hmm. we have a rule at St. Michael's, part of our standard recruiting process is three calls and three emails. So if we call you and leave you a voicemail three times, and we email you as a follow up three times, and we don't hear back from you, we're going to move on to the to the next candidate on the list. And, and at that point, you would drop out of our pipeline. So, you know, just to further reinforce the point, communication is two ways. And so getting back to us is, is vitally important. Yeah, that's really great. One thing that uh, the pandemic has done has really shifted how we look at remote work. And it's now such a big pull for cleared professionals. And many of the cleared positions aren't feasible because the government customer isn't on board. You've got a DIA position that's an issue right now. Talk about some of the challenges and how you're trying to work around those. Working at a Joint Base Anacostia Bowling means of course, inherently, you're going to be going into that building like some of our other work. And so we have lost some people. Um, you know, the great resignation hit us just like they hit just about every company. And so part of that is reminding ourselves this is not a St. Michael's issue. It, it has become one when, when we lose a person, of course, but it's a lot bigger than just, than just St. Michael's. It's happening everywhere. So some of the folks that even I've interviewed and you talked about how do you avoid the um, getting to the final stages with somebody. I did mention it, it is inevitable. Sometimes that happens. And for some people, they, the biggest thing that they're weighing is, is there any chance of teleworking? Um, many people have gotten used to and like working in their pajamas every single day. And I would rather not hire you to go and do that at uh, JBAB. So the, the faster I can find that out, uh, what motivates you as a candidate, the easier it's going to be for everybody. Um, some people are motivated motivated by remote work. Some people buy money. Some people buy non-monetary uh, benefits and things. And my job is to ascertain that just as fast as I can. So that way, if you're looking for remote work, the faster I can find that out, the quicker I can move on to the next candidate who actually, you know, would be interested in our position. And not saying that the person wouldn't be fully qualified or that I don't like them personally. It has nothing to do with that. It's whether or not uh, you're willing to, to drive in and, and fight the traffic and do all the things that that come with going into the client site. And for some people out there, believe it or not, and, and I was one of them, the pandemic kind of ran its course. And I, I mentioned I was teleworking in New Mexico every single day. And it just kind of ran its course for me. I, I was ready to get back into the office. I go into the office down in Woodbridge uh, regularly. And I, I like seeing the smiling faces of my coworkers, the people that, that make the commute with me and been taking people out to lunch more and more, doing more social things. 
And I, and I miss that truly. And so I know that there's folks out there that have the clearance, that have the knowledge, the know-how, and they want to uh, return to the office if they haven't already. And so um, D- the DIA position is an excellent example of, of that exact thing where we would ask you to go in every single day and represent our company well. But you also have some cleared positions that are remote. Tell us a little bit more about those. Yeah, they're very few and far between, um, but they but they do exist. And it's entirely driven by our clients. Uh, it largely is um, position dependent. And if you are to apply to any of our positions on our website, we try to annotate which ones by saying remote or we'll give a location of the physical agency and we'll caveat it by saying something along the lines of or or telework. But for the most part, if, if it's TSSCI required, you're probably going to be going into the physical location. Well, I know our listeners can't see it, but something I find absolutely fascinating is your shirt. Um, and it just alludes to something that I think makes St. Michael so special and is that you're employee owned. So could you tell us just about what does that really mean? And why do you see this as such an advantage for your employees? Okay, so one of my favorite questions, I was going to ask how much time do you have? <laughs> we are employee owned. We work for a CEO who believes that the wage gap in our country is, is very wide between haves and have nots. And it's, and it's growing wider and wider every single day. And so you would ask yourself, you know, what does a company have 150 people? What, what can they possibly do about that global, uh, and national problem? Well, he, he recognized that he can do something about it and he can, um, make employee owners out of his, uh, employees. So back in 2016, we became officially an employee-owned company. And what that meant was um, the CEO turned over a portion of his equity in the company over to the employees, the people that helped him build the company that got to that point. And so this is an ongoing thing. It wasn't a one-time transaction back in 2016. Every single year, we get to share in our successes and potentially in our failures. There's a stock price that gets um, issued on an annual basis by an appraiser, an independent appraiser. And um, employees earn shares of stock in our company by putting in their time with us. So just like you would at any other company, you work for us uh, for an entire year and you meet certain criteria. Um, in exchange for your time with us, you earn these shares of stock. There's no financial transaction on the employee's part. They're not forking over uh, cash or writing a check. They're earning those shares with their time. And this is a secondary form of retirement benefit. So in addition to the 401k with a 4% company match, like we offer, the employee ownership stake that one earns in, in the company is an additional secondary retirement. The purpose is we want you to stay with us for the long term. It's a long term benefit. And so we hope that people stay with us all the way up until retirement. And if they do, they're going to see some pretty significant uh, cash in that ESOP account that they normally would not have had working at a non-employee-owned company. But at the end of the day, that's that's ultimately what it's all about is spreading out um, the equity shares in our firm to as many people that want to be a part of this as as possible. Such a beautiful concept and so well described. So thank you for that. And I know another thing that your company does really well, and it's your number one source of hire, is in the employee referrals. And it sounds like there's a lot of investment and time that's gone into that employee referral program. So would you tell us just a little bit about your employee referral program and how this how this works within St. Michael's? Yes, absolutely. Um, so employee referrals for us is one of the best ways to, to find folks. Of course, we have full-time recruiters, and of course, I, I want those recruiters to go out and find us qualified individuals. But 
there's something special about an employee referral because it tells me uh, multiple things. One, the employee that referred this person is really happy at St. Michael's. I, I would not, personally, I would not recommend somebody to come and work at a company that I didn't care for very much. The second thing is the person that they are recommending, they have some personal stake in. Uh, they know this individual, they worked with them before. And so it's not the ultimate vetting process, but it is a vetting step towards getting the higher right. And so again, if I'm putting my name next to a, a former coworker's name and saying, you have to go out and hire this person, I'm going to make sure that that person is perfectly qualified, going to represent themselves, going to represent me very well. And so it's a win-win for everybody. And then for that win-win, uh, St. Michael's offers a bonus to anyone that um, refers anyone, and that person works for us for at least 90 days. On the subsequent payroll, uh, they receive a $2,000 uh, referral bonus um, paid out on the next payroll after day 90. So again, we want these people to stay with us for, for at least at least 90 days at a minimum, but also get conversation going about why working at St. Michael's is so great. And Mark, who would be really successful at St. Michael's? It sounds like you've really created a unique culture. Yeah, so um, we hire people to to do different roles. And the reason why I start with that is because I don't need everyone in a room full of 100 people that you're not going to find 100 managers, right? So you have to have people that lead and you have to have people that follow and you have to have everyone in between. And so getting the right person on the right seat on the bus is really the most important thing for us. For the people that raise their hand and say, I want to do more, or I want to learn more, we have set up different programs to make sure that one, we're identifying those people, and two, that we're bringing them along. Mark, now you say a lot of great things, but there's one quote Kathleen and I particularly enjoy, so I'm going to use my best Mark voice here. In the absence of information, people make stuff up. Is that you? That, yeah. that sounds like you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so really, it's just, you know... The brain doesn't like it when there's a void, so it just tries to fill it up with stuff. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the steps that St. Michael's is taking to provide information to employees? And you, you already kind of mentioned how you stay connected, but tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So uh, I can't take credit for that one. I, I read that in a book by Brad Hams. But the reason why I like that book so much is because it talks about creating accountability for, for many. And so I think he's spot on with his assessment. And when you work for an employee-owned company, information is absolute power when it comes to correct information. So I just shared with you a very short snippet of how employee ownership works. And if I were to try to tell you about employee ownership, but I'm not exactly sure of the mechanics, or I don't have the history, or I don't exactly know what I'm saying, I'm actually doing more a disservice by presenting misinformation, or I'm allowing you then to make inferences for yourself about, so what is this employee ownership thing? I still don't understand. And typically, um, in my experience, people gravitate towards the negative. So if they don't fully understand something or something seems a little un uh, unclear or missing, we tend to jump to the negative side of it and, and just assume that how can that be possible? How can I earn shares in a company uh, simply by putting in my time? When's the shoe going to drop? Um, this thing can't be as good as everyone is saying that it is. Therein lies sort of the, the need behind the quote, right? So in the absence of information, people make stuff up. It's my job to make sure that not only am I communicating the correct information about it, I'm also teaching others to how to communicate uh, this very complex thing that we call employee ownership. So that way other people get to hear about it other than just from me. 
and correct information is getting around. So that way we're not creating confusion, creating frustration, and people aren't um, taking away one, one bit of understanding from it, even though it's, it's way off based on what they've been told. That's awesome. One thing that I love about St. Michael's is the culture of mentorship and teaching others. Tell us a little bit about the importance of developing leaders internally and developing soft skills. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that is actually part of my role at St. Michael's. So when you hear client experience, automatically you might think external um, people outside of our organization and their experience. And you're not wrong. So that that is correct. But there's a a 50-50 split between my job being externally focused and internally focused. So part of my job is, um, one, mentorship, leadership, and, and teaching. So mentorship, uh, to me, I, I've gotten together a small group of folks in our organization. We meet on a monthly basis, and we just we talk about different business things that you normally wouldn't share with the masses, so to speak. Um, we really get under the hood on some topics, share with them, you know, financial information, sensitive company information, that kind of a thing. So that's a very small focus. But as we expand the aperture some, we get to the leadership uh, training. And that is more for if you hold the title of lead associate or above in our company, we invite you once a month to a 90-minute a training on different aspects of leadership. Um, some of it are soft skills, some of it are, are actual hard technical skills, um, and everything in between. But at least on a monthly basis, we're inviting people to a Zoom, about 45 to 50 people attend total. It's a way to kind of bring everyone together who, again, very geographically dispersed workforce. We're bringing folks together, giving them some something to take away, some kind of training or learning something about our company that maybe they've never seen before. And therein lies the experience uh, to our clients that I was referring to. So by sending folks more energized or more educated out to our client sites, we in turn are actually getting some uh, external, if you want to call it that, benefit as well by our client experience hopefully is better by the more motivated person that shows up or the person that knows more about the company that they work for at their client site the next day than, than the day prior. So Mark, where could our listeners get a hold of you or a member of your team to learn a little bit more about St. Michael's? Um, I still am very active on LinkedIn, and so you can always find me there. You can also find St. Michael's on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn accounts as well. Well, Mark, thanks. Of course. So that was Mark Milhowski with St. Michael's. Learned so much from today from him and just really appreciated just the thoroughness and in everything that he explained. He took the time to really invest in us and the listeners to understand a little bit more about what being employee-owned means and why that's such an incentive to the company. Kathleen, what did you love? We've worked with St. Michael's for so many years. They're one of our longtime customers. And Mark was employee number six and now he has been promoted several times he's now there's over 150 employees but they really have an employee culture about developing leadership skills and soft skills thanks so much for joining us today had such a great time learning with mark and you know what while you're out there make sure you subscribe rate and review but don't worry friends we'll be here next week